The Start On Demand. On demand. It is Friday the 13th, and on this Friday the 13th, of course, we'll talk about superstitions, but we'll also speak to a psychology professor on why some of us are particularly superstitious on Friday the 13th, and what is behind superstition in general? Why are some of us so superstitious? We'll have a follow-up conversation on the confusion over gathering numbers in Manitoba, i.e. the message versus the order. Small businesses feel like they're on an uneven playing field during Level Red. And the owner of the King's Head went to an incredible measure to save the business and keep his staff employed. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, November 13th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. It is Friday, and most people would say, thank God it's Friday, but uh, a lot of people are a little hesitant to say that today, given the date, Greg Mackling. Yes. Friday the 13th. Oh, Friday the 13th. I was trying not to think about it. That's not true. I just tweeted out, uh, what is the fear of... Friday the 13th. Is it Triscadescophobia or That's something? That's of 13. Just 13. It's Parascavidixotrophobia <laughs> is the fear of Friday the 13th. And I said that completely wrong, but you get the point. Uh, it's about a one, two, three, a nine syllable word. So check it out on uh, my Twitter, GMACWPG. And happy Friday the 13th if that's a way we want to go with this, Loren. Yeah. Well, I was saying to you guys, you know what? If you want to have some fun or make yourself laugh, look up Friday the 13th memes. And I know there's lots of people who in this year, which has already felt so unlucky and terrible, you just kind of want to skip over this day. And I get it. But I had a good laugh because, of course, Friday the 13th also is synonymous with the movie, right? Is it Jason? Jason Voorhees. Jason, yes, the killer. And so I was laughing at one of the memes that says, whatever you do today, do not go to a sleepaway camp. Do not drink. Do not have sex. <laughs> if if the killer is coming for you and you run, keep running. If you trip and fall, get up. Keep going. Like It was these hilarious tips because, of course, in the movie, the most ridiculous things happens to anyone who goes to camp or uses the outhouse. Maybe you should also avoid an outhouse today. Yes, that's right. Well, and the problem, too, with running from the killer is it didn't matter how fast you ran. It didn't matter how far you ran through the woods. <laughs> Jason would just walk after you, and somehow he would be there. He had a long stride. Yes, he's an imposing yeah. presence. He's tall. <laughs> well, I found a meme that says, uh, well, it's, it's a picture of Jason Voorhees hugging his mom, and it says, thank God it's Friday. Bye, Mom. I'm going to spend the weekend over with some college friends. Because so. <laughs> he's yes. going to get them. That's of course, of course. And also my favorite today that I saw and I shared with you guys already was that Friday the 13th is still better than Monday the whatever. That's yes. Fair. That's fair. That. We'll take that. We'll run with that and go with that. <laughs> Absolutely. How many of the Friday the 13th movies are there, Brett? Do you know? There were 10 <laughs> in the, the primary saga. There were 10, oh, including no. Jason X, where he went to space. And then there was, <laughs> then there was uh, Freddy versus Jason, 
which was excellent. But sidebar on that, when I went to see Freddy versus Jason in the theater, and that was very much it, it was it was you know kind of scary, but it was more of a campy celebration of the two characters who it was it was comedic almost in the with some of the gory deaths. And there was one I can't remember specifically what it was. I think the. <laughs> I think actually Jason folded someone up uh, in the in the the bed they were in, just like like accordioned the bed, and it was hilarious at, for for me being a fan of the genre. And I started laughing, and the guy sitting behind me, who I think he was watching it with his mom, he says, "Oh, I didn't know we read a comedy." And I turned around and said, "Come on, dude! Like, what movie are you at? This isn't <laughs> high art. Like, even the director of that movie, I believe his name was Ronnie Yu. Uh, they asked him on set, did we?" Did we get enough blood? And he says, no, we need barrels. We need barrels of blood. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fun movie. And then finally, there was also a remake about 10 years ago, which turned Holy out to be man. pretty crappy. So Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that 13, Friday the 13th, if Tw- I'm counting? 12. 12. So they need one more. Yeah. Like, seriously. That's right. You know? Why not? Be loyal to the thought. I would like <laughs> to see that. the thought. <laughs> so, hey, at 645, we're going to talk about superstitions. You can start texting us right now at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win a Santa Lucia $20 gift card because we want to know what your superstitions are and why. And then at 835, we're going to get some insight into this uh, from a professor. Are we not, Loren? Yeah, and so he's looked extensively into superstitions. He's a psychology professor. I believe he doesn't believe uh, in Friday the 13th and most superstitions, but I've been reading this morning some articles and, and different webinars he's given and seminars on why we hang on to these kinds of things. And I'm we, we will have to ask him if he's spooked by anything, because from what I can tell, he does have one stitious. He's not superstitious. He's a little stitious. And... Uh, <laughs> We'll have to ask him because I think this is in a year when we have no control over so many things. I think that is what some superstitions are about, right? You feel like if you knock on wood or you avoid the ladder or you run from the black cat, you might have some control over your day. And maybe that's all it is in a a time when we have such little control. Hey, maybe it feels good to do a couple of those things. You know, I'm trying to, I have that clip in the chamber the not superstitious, but a little stitious. And for the second day in a row in this hour, my computer is freezing up on me, so I can't play the Michael Scott clip from the office uh, that you sent us, Loren. So I apologize. Maybe there is... I, I would, if it was just today, I would have blamed it on Friday the 13th, but it happened yesterday, I think around 6.45. Oh, no, it might have been during this segment. Well, maybe that computer just doesn't like mornings. No. Get it some coffee, not. man. <laughs> I, I've heard if you dump coffee in a computer, it really it's really good for it. <laughs> I'm not superstitious, but I'm I am a little stitious. There you go. Anticlimactic. <laughs> oh, you didn't have no. to play it. I already played it for myself 19 times this morning, so don't worry play about it. Play it once more, Brett. I'm not Just superstitious, but I'm I am a little stitious. Little stitious. Little stitious. There you go. <laughs> That happened here, by the way, uh, on the subject of coffee being dumped on something. Years ago in our old building at 930 Portage, one of our coworkers, who shall remain nameless for the purposes of this conversation, spilled his coffee on what was then a brand new board in our control room. So the, the master control where... Everything lives and uh, lives or dies. Essentially, he dumped his coffee on the board, and 
knocked the radio station off the air. Was it Tristan Field Jones? No, no. This uh, predates TFJ. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, our engineers were able to get a backup studio going about 30 minutes later. But uh, needless to say, there was a change in policy in terms of, I believe the word was uh, no foodstuffs allowed near the control room board. So, Fortier, if you have any drinks near your board... Do you need us to come police you? He has cereal in there. I yeah, guarantee I, it. I, I eat cereal all the time in here. Oh, what kind of cereal? Well, usually, uh, what's it called? Rice Krispies, Fruit Loops. What do you have today? I don't have cereal today. I actually have beans. What? Yeah. Good thing you're in a room all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a can of beans? Well, you know, I, I heat it up at home and I put it, put it in a thermos. It still came from a can, right? Still a can of beans? Yeah, still a can of beans. (laughs) He finished cooking it on the way in in his heated seats. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so as far as Manitoba's top doctor is concerned, there should be no confusion when it comes to the new restrictions, specifically when it comes to gathering sizes. As we were telling you yesterday at this hour, some... Questions had been raised around what the actual public health order says and what the doctor has said. Global's Marnie Blunt explains. Questions and confusion still swirl around gathering sizes under the new province-wide level red restrictions. But Manitoba's top doctor is repeating again and again that the message is a clear one. The message is stay home. The message is, do not socialize outside of your household. On Tuesday, Dr. Rusin said you can have household contacts only with a few exceptions. But the public health order states the gathering limit is five people from outside your household. The chief health officer says it boils down to their messaging versus what's actually enforceable under the public health order. And just because you can have a five-person gathering doesn't mean you should. So it's very difficult to write orders to um, every possible eventuality. What we're relying on is the messaging. Uh, And, you know, I really think that distraction from that messaging is is what's harmful to Manitobans. The messaging is very clear. Psychologists say the public is more likely to comply with a smaller request. They actually did something called the door in the face technique. I'm not sure if they wanted to do that, but it's when you make a big request and then the person says no and you're expecting them to say no. And then you make a small request. It's like, well, you said no to that. Will you at least do this little thing? And it makes people much more likely to actually go with the smaller second request, which was maybe your intention all along. The chief provincial public health officer says he's worried getting caught up in the details may detract from their message and their goal. I'm really concerned that a a lot of this is a distraction, right? And and this type of distraction is, is, you know, harmful to, to what we're trying to do here. Other provinces like British Columbia have included specific exemptions in their public health order for people who live on their own. Dr. Rusin says Manitoba could look at creating similar guidelines. Marnie Blunt, Global News. So it's possible further changes coming to those guidelines. And I appreciate there's a difference between what's in the, the written word and what Rusin is saying. He was very clear to me yesterday, and, and if not really frustrated as well because his messaging has been the same you know limit your contacts limit your contacts don't socialize outside your household but then when you go looking at that piece of paper that's where the confusion arises and there was a town hall last night with Dr. Rusin who just as an aside guys imagine the hours this per- this doctor is putting in you know all day long looking at the numbers talking to media dealing with 
different folks without the, throughout the public health system. And then last night, holding a town hall to take calls from Manitobans, and the social gathering size came up a few times. I follow Steve Lambert of the Canadian press on Twitter. And that question came up several times from different Manitobans about some of their confusion around that. And Dr. Rusin again said he was trying to use the least intrusive measures, but the numbers have kept going up. So here we are. And that he was also just trying to have some accommodation for the person who might live alone or the person who might want to go visit their father or the single person who might, might have maybe one person that makes sense that they visit with. And so there was, there was, there was an effort for some allowances I hope it doesn't make it more confusing for people. I fear that it might have. But but for me, when I heard him yesterday talking, it was clear. Nothing but the utmost respect for Dr. Rusin and the work that he has to do. The hours, Loren, you outlined it perfectly in terms of what he must be dealing with right now. Sometimes the language doesn't do his message justice. And you know, our job is to look for clarifications. When there are rules, regulations, laws, they are open to interpretation. And I think we all understand very clearly what Dr. Rusin wants, what he expects from us, what will curve and flatten the COVID curve in our province, what needs to be done is exactly what Dr. Rusin is saying. However, and this is the last time I'm going to go down this road, just look at what those two MJHL teams did in terms of finding ice time outside the city of Winnipeg in a community north and west of the city in order to flout the rules that the MJHL had set up and also the Code Red regulations inside the city of Winnipeg. And those are the people you have to believe, not specifically those people, but people like that, that are at the core of this explosion of COVID-19 numbers. Most of us are doing the right thing. Most of us know what the appropriate action is to take, the things that we need to do, the things that we shouldn't be doing. It's the small number of people who believe the rules don't apply to them that have put us in this situation, put us in this position. And I think for many of us, it's the notion that we have to make it very plain, clean and simple for those people who believe that whatever rules in place, I'm going to find the loophole. And those are the people that are causing this problem in the in the first place. And that, if you look at the results of our question of the day, which is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. The question we asked yesterday, and it did, the wording of the question did cause some confusion on Twitter. The question was, do you plan to keep socializing to just your household while Manitoba is in level red. So I think a lot of people commented saying that they answered wrong because they just saw the words, do you plan to keep socializing, and immediately answered no when they meant to actually answer yes. But still, even with that confusion, 71% said yes, 10% said maybe, and 20% said no. So you can probably imagine that the number for the yes vote would actually have been higher. So indeed, most people are getting the message, I think, that just having maybe some clarification would just, I think I saw somebody putting it on, put it on Twitter yesterday. Why not just make it a law so that the people who are looking to sneak around it will just comply or more people will comply if they say this is the rule. It's not just the message.
minus 13 on Friday the 13th. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Skylar Peters is here in for Kelly Moore. Jeff Braun is here. Jeff Fortier is here. And we are going to talk about superstitions. I'm not superstitious, but I'm I am a little stitious. At 8.35, by the way, we're going to talk to a psychology professor who has done extensive research into this to get some insight into Friday the 13th, why some of us are just superstitious in general. And uh, how does that work into and what's already been a terrible year for many? I want to start with Skyler because Skyler's a sports guy. Skyler's an athlete, and uh, athletes tend to be among the most superstitious individuals out there. So, Skyler, do you have any weird superstitions? Well, I'm going to let you down. Uh, I don't. I'm not too crazy on superstitions. When I played hockey, I like. I'm, I guess I'd put you know my equipment on in the same order, but I wasn't like a Wayne Gretzky type where he had. You know, everything like laid out a certain way and he had like, you know, the jersey tucked in a certain way and had Velcro to keep it there. I don't think I'm that like bizarre. The one thing I do, though, uh, when I'm going upstairs, since I have some long legs, you like unless the stairs are massive, usually I like take two at a time. Uh, But it just really bothers me when I uh, have to like the last step. I only have to take one step to get to the top of the flight. And then I remember, like, when I was in high school, I used to, like, count the stairs beforehand. So I could just, like, if I had to take one step, like, if there was an uneven number of steps, I'd uh, I'd take the one step at the start. And uh, then I'd make sure I can, like, you know, just keep my my nice gate going up the stairs. <laughs> so is, time, is it because so. <laughs> you're looking for to, to like finish with a flurry? I don't, I don't really know why I do that. I just, I just always have. And I always like, I think everyone probably like when they're going upstairs, they, you know, start with the same foot. I always start with my left foot too. So that's, okay. that was the only thing I could think of today. So if you start with the, if you were to start with the right foot, like, are you falling down the stairs or what happens? Well, I don't know. I'd, it would just feel super weird. Maybe I'd like roll my ankle or, or something, fall <laughs> up the stairs. I don't the know. The world would end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll save us all this misery and I'll just uh, go up the stairs in my right foot here on the way back. <laughs> Jeff Braun, what about you? Whenever I, when I'm driving and I go through an intersection and the light turns yellow, my, the index finger on my left hand immediately reaches up and I rub the sun visor with my knuckle. My friends did it once when we were teenagers and said it was for good luck and I still do it and I'm not even sure that it's a thing or if they were maybe just trying to mess with me. (laughs) (laughs) So is it just a, a reflex now? Yep. It's automatic. And the first time my girlfriend saw it, she was just like, what was that? And I was like, what do you mean? And then she described what I did and I didn't even know I was still doing it. So yeah, that's weird. Oh, wow. That is interesting. Uh, Loren, what about you? I will not go under a ladder. I'm superstitious about that. If a black cat crosses my path, I will think, "Uh oh, and then I think, come on, just don't be silly. That's a dumb superstition. And, um, I will knock on wood three times and I have found myself in, you know, hockey games or other, especially when the Jets were in the playoffs, wondering if I should stick to the routine we had the night before if it worked or not. And so, yeah, no, I like I know that it's ridiculous. I get that. But it's it's there. There's something about it. And I find with most people, I remember doing a story for Global TV on superstitions years ago when the Jets made the playoff for the first time, Jets 2.0. 
and talking to fans about their superstitions and people would say all the time, oh, no, no, I'm not superstitious. Like, I like to wear the same jersey and I definitely like to wear the same hat all the time and I like to sit in the same spot on the couch, but no, no, I'm not superstitious. And I think, uh, that's the very definition, I think, of superstition. So I think, I think whether you want to admit it or not, we all have a, a little stitious in us and I'm not trying to overquote Michael Scott this morning, but I do believe that. Mackling, you're a big sports fan. Mm-hmm. I go the little stitious route as well. I was funny. I was thinking about, uh, you know, we're still having the conversation about masks and wearing masks. And I find it hilarious that a good percentage of people who refuse to wear a mask in public will do exactly all the same things that Loren just pointed out with regard to their sports teams, thinking that they have some effect on the outcome of the game. But the one thing you can do to slow the spread of COVID-19, nah, I'm, I'm out on that one. You know, I, I think that the, uh, the state of mind of some people is bizarre. You'll yell and scream at a TV thinking that you have some effect on how your uh, favorite sport athlete is going to perform. But nah, wearing a mask, I'm not going to participate in that. Anyway, uh, this week we're celebrating, of course, the... Uh, First year anniversary of the Blue Bombers start to their playoff run to the Grey Cup. And on the Friday before the Western final against Saskatchewan, our boss, Heather Steele, called me into the office. And of course, that's never a good sign when the boss calls you in. And she says, "Um, I'm not exactly sure how to broach this with you. Obviously, understanding that I do have some superstitious nature. She goes, yeah, you know that thing that's happening on Sunday night? If a certain thing happens on Sunday night, would you be able to go to a certain place next week? (laughs) Basically, she was asking me if I could go to Calgary for Grey Cup, but she did not want to utter the words in any way, shape, or form, knowing how I would feel about it. And so um, that conversation ended with me going, yes, I will check on the thing and let you know if I can go to the place uh, before the game on Sunday starts. And that was the end of it. And we knew exactly what one another was speaking about. And I didn't mention to anyone heading into Sunday what would happen should the Bombers win, that it would be uh, kind of a pretty cool week uh, personally as well. Jeff Forte? Um, I'm not very superstitious except for mirrors. Mirrors kind of freak me out. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I still got to use them. Yeah, I know. Uh, I've watched a lot of paranormal shows and they say like mirrors are kind of like that's you know spirits can come through mirrors gateway yeah a gateway and it it freaks me out and then like you know if you break a mirror it's seven years of bad luck i don't need that in my life so you believe in the bad luck if you were to break a mirror yeah have you ever watched the movie mirrors starring Kiefer sutherland i don't think so it's a terrible horror movie but if you want to add to your fear of mirrors then uh, i would suggest watching it i'll put that on the list (laughs) Mackling McGarry and McNabb text message from Don at 204-780-6868 on superstitions on this Friday the 13th. There's a church in Lake Helen, Ontario called St. Peter, patron saint of the Holy Traveler, built in 1875. And all truck drivers give the air horn two honks when passing for luck. Yes, me included. So keep texting us for your chance to win a Santa Lucia pizza $20 gift card. Text us about your superstitions. Why do you have them? What do you do? Or maybe you don't have one, but maybe you know somebody who's got a kooky superstition. Text us. Let us know. And we'll hand out some pizza. 
Outham. After 9.15. What's that? Outham, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep the names out of it, but, you know, it's a Friday. It's okay to laugh yeah. at others and their idiosyncrasies. Yeah, I was actually thinking, and we'll just, normally this is a conversation we have off the air, but should, for the question of the day, should the question be, are you superstitious? Yes, no, maybe a little stitious? Loren, what do you think? Yeah, it's great. I think a lot. Of, I think you're gonna get a hundred percent on a little stitches, <laughs> like ninety nine percent. Let's Gosh, find out. Yeah, let's do let's it. Really, you know what? Let's do it. Okay, I will get that updated soon at cjob.com. In the meantime, oh, by the way, Couch Potatoes seven thirty seven. I've got a review of season four of The Crown, which debuts on Netflix this Sunday. A spokesperson for independent business in our country says he's concerned about what is happening to that sector of our economy right across the country. He also thinks Manitoba is on the bleeding edge of the small business crisis. Now, Brett, yesterday you pointed out how important the Christmas season is for retailers. The timing of the latest public health orders could be a disaster for many of them. Here's Dan Kelly. He's president and chief executive officer of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, echoing your observation and concern. The closure of the retail sector is just coming at the absolute worst possible time. So many independent retailers require a decent Christmas season to to last them through the whole year, to get through the lean months, certainly in the spring, when retail sales are really low. And if they miss out because their their in-store commerce is, is shut altogether, Gosh, I don't know how many casualties there are going to be, but there'll be a lot. There'll be a ton of, of a huge shakeout of independent retailers in, in Winnipeg, across Manitoba, uh, and in other jurisdictions across Canada, should it spread there. So I know this came up a little bit in the spring, but I think now that we're in the second wave and the second round of restrictions, there might just be a heightened awareness over the uneven playing field that's potentially been created here between large retailers who may have an advantage over smaller businesses who can still serve their customers online or over the phone with curbside delivery, but they've been forced to shut their storefronts. Once again, here's Dan Kelly. The piece that I guess has gotten me quite angry is that the the new rules allow Walmart and Costco to sell all the consumer goods one could want uh, if you go there to get your groceries because they have a grocery aisle. And that just seems deeply, deeply unfair to small and independent businesses. It makes no sense to me that you can go and buy a TV, your Christmas toys for your kids and your T-shirts at at the local Walmart or Costco. And yet the independent business that sells those same goods and maybe has 3,000 square feet, uh, they are and maybe sees 10 customers a day. They are 100 percent shut down and not able to sell those to the public. That that just does not seem fair. And I have to tell you, it doesn't even feel feel like a good COVID policy to clump up. I know there's a limitation on the on the on the store volume there, but it doesn't seem like a good COVID policy to have everybody lining up at Costco and Walmart either. Yesterday I read a message from Winnipeg retailer who says having his business closed will cost him one hundred thousand dollars a week in sales. His business model is based on personalized service and is a consultant-based situation to help his customers make their decisions. His online strategy isn't what the chain stores have created. He admits that is his choice. What the shutdown does, Brett Loren, for many independents, is it eliminates their inherent advantage, customer service. The other challenge for independent retailers is they've lost a ton of business to online shopping. Uh, Certainly Amazon's having a fantastic year. 
But this is just going to cut right through the core of Winnipeg. I mean, we are already expecting one in seven small businesses across Canada to close their doors for good as a result of COVID-19. With the second round of lockdowns as comprehensive as they are, uh, I'm really, really worried that that's going to mean that you're going to see a bunch of boarded up shops uh, along every single street in, in the province. I was actually downtown for the first time in a long time yesterday, guys. I just had to uh, run in and pick up something and couldn't get over already some of the, you know, for lease signs and for sale signs, not just in the downtown, but in other areas. And whether that's COVID related or not, I'm not sure. But I think that there might be that concern that you'll see more of those. And you heard Dan Kelly there of the Canadian Federation for Independent Business mention Amazon. Well, it was already creating all sorts of challenges for brick and mortar operations. And as he said, this could be the final straw for many shops who've really fought to stay relevant and even create a comfortable spot in the marketplace for their businesses, Greg. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, just this morning, we do want to just really quick, the other side of this, some counterpoints to this uh, conversation on social media. What about the jobs that those big box retailers create? What happens if those jobs disappear because the big box retailers are forced to artificially shrink their stores and their offerings. Is that, is that something that we should be concerned about as well? So is there genuinely two sides of the coin on this one? I think so. I think there, I think there's room to make that argument. I, I just think this time around, and I don't think anyone in a small business is saying they should be open. You know, they understand what the re- restrictions are about, but what I think the argument is, is that why can one be open and the other have to be forced to close? And so you'd still have people working at that big box store, maybe just not as many, or they might have to move into more of the shipping and packing in online areas. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that all works. Yes, for sure. There's a job argument to be made at those big stores. There's a job argument to be made of the little stores that are going to close too, though. Brett, what about like doing an appointment or something? I had a discussion with a a buddy of mine on the phone yesterday. I was relaying the discussion we had about this retailer who texted us. And uh, my buddy said, what about doing appointments? Could you not do that in a safe fashion? Like where you go into the shop? When you go into the shop. I don't see why not. Sanitize. Everybody's got a mask on. You keep your distance and it's maybe a, you know, you, you... Book a block of time to go and look for your couch or your TV or whatever you might be looking for. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. I know that, uh, you know, one of our listeners, uh, Rui, with whom we've spoken to, he has his shop, Nothing But Tech. I was actually just curious. I checked our text messages and he pointed out yesterday his his shop on Main Street at 1960 Main is still going to be open. So at least if you have computer issues, you can go see a local business like that. But yeah, this is going to be a tough, tough season for a lot of businesses. I... I just phoned Rui yesterday, actually. Did you? <laughs> my, my phone wasn't working. <laughs> hey, Rui. <laughs> is, is, is he the one who saved you? He, uh, no, he just gave me a quick tip. And then he said, if you have any more troubles, uh, you know, bring it on in. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That is great. So, yeah, support local wherever you can uh, during this time. Max.
Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. It is lights out for another Winnipeg winter tradition. Winter Wonderland at Assiniboia Downs is officially cancelled, but president of the Red River X, Garth Rogerson, says he's hoping to change the minds at public health. He says the no-contact drive-through Christmas lights event is perfect for the pandemic. They're being strict, and rightly so, you know, and no criticism on them. Um, but we're just hoping that because of the style of show that we're putting on here, that it is very, very safe and we're hoping that they'll take another look at it. Rogerson says it took two months to set up the lights that will stay unplugged for now. Greg, your reaction? This is this is crazy. This seems to be like the most COVID-friendly event you could possibly have right now. Put your family in a car. It's safer than going through a drive through for a coffee at Starbucks or a hamburger at McDonald's, Loren. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm not really sure what the reason or rationale would be, but I, I do think that what, what he's saying is probably true in terms of, you know, we have to have some patience. These orders just went into effect yesterday. There was probably an exchange of words or a phone call or an email to someone at public health. And, you know, eventually this will work itself out. I, I'd like to think, I don't think there's any huge public health concern for people going in their own families as long as you're staying within your own family. Maybe that's part of the problem. They can't guarantee that people won't be gathering in the car with people outside their home. And so that might be part of the issue. I'm not sure. But I do think we have to have some patience here for these kinds of events as they sneak up and, and how public health will deal with them. So maybe there's a change coming. Maybe it is about those cars, guys. How, do you want to put it on some volunteer to have to say, can you guys all show me your ID and addresses? Good point. Yeah, you know, how, how do you keep track of that? But hopefully they can get this situation rectified because that event in particular will raise a lot of spirits in, in a time where there's not a whole lot to look forward to. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, just a reminder that we are having problems with our text line at 204-780-6868. We are getting your text messages, but we can't seem to be able to reply to our text messages. Uh, So if you think, why are they ignoring me? We're not ignoring you. We just can't reply. It's so frustrating. It looks like it sends and then we get the little error message, message not sent, retry. And then you hit retry, retry, retry. It's not working. So anyway, you can keep texting us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a Santa Lucia $20 gift card. We're asking you to text us about your superstitions. Are you superstitious? And if you have one, what is it and why? Or maybe you just want to out someone else who's got a weird superstition. And then just after 9.15, we will pick a winner. We've already got a front runner. That is a doozy. Can't wait to share that one with you. But you still have time to perhaps surpass that one. And hey, with the roller coaster we've all been on the past eight months, you could forgive Manitobans for wanting to just let this day pass without acknowledgement, Loren. Yeah, I guess as far as some concerned, Friday the 13th is considered the unluckiest day of the year, but this has already been quite a year. And so, yeah, I don't know. You know, some people might say, let's just skip over this Friday the 13th. I don't know if we can use any more bad luck in our day, but we want to figure out what's behind this superstition and, and find out why some people care so much about these things that we do to try to make ourselves feel more lucky. Steve Jordans is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto in the Scarborough campus and has looked extensively into this and joins us now. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. First, an easy question. Are you spooked at all by Friday the 13th? Um, not really. I'm, I'm a motorcycle rider and there's a tradition in Ontario where they, everybody goes to Port Dover on Friday the 13th. So obviously I'm not doing that and hopefully most people aren't today, but, but it's kind of turned it into a more positive association day for me. So, so no, I don't have any negative feels today. <laughs> As someone who looks into this, do you have any superstitions at all? 
Um, well, you know, we, we all do, and we all do often, at least for short term. I don't think there's anyone among us who hasn't been watching some sports game and, and we step out of the room and our team scores or something, and suddenly we're like, okay, we have to stay out of the room. <laughs> we have to not watch. You know, very quickly, our, our brains are kind of wired to, to see what we call causal relationships. And, and very often, um, if, if we have a reason to suppose something, like it's Friday the 13th today, anything negative that does happen today, we will attribute to Friday the 13th. It, it's, it's like we have a you know, pre-built explanation for everything bad that happens to us today. Uh, and that's often the true with any superstition. If we, if we walk under a ladder or see a black cat or whatever, and if something negative follows, and it will eventually, uh, we can often you know, connect those two and say, ah, that was the cause. Steve, I, I admit to wincing a little bit the fact that you even openly admitted the fact that Friday the 13th doesn't concern you at all. <laughs> and so that's one of my bigger uh, superstitions and things that, that uh, I guess, catch me off guard is, oh, yeah, wait, we're not supposed to talk about it because if you talk about it, you might turn it into reality, good, bad, or otherwise. What, what, what are some of the more believed in or followed superstitions? Have you got any data on that? Oh, Wow. Um, you know, a lot of the real superstitious behavior we see in these days often is around things like sports. And it's often around people wanting to have a feeling of control for things they really have no control over. Uh, and so imagine, you know, watching your team or whatnot and, and wanting them to do well and, and wanting to do something that in some way helps your team. Uh, and so we can get this illusion of control and it, and it makes us feel a little bit more anytime we feel like we have a little control over something makes us feel better, makes us enjoy the experience more. Um, so, you know, a lot of the superstitions now I think are around that. A lot of the older superstitions I think have survived, you know, from centuries, Friday the 13th itself is often kind of linked to uh, a massive um, uh, arrest and, and execution of many of the uh, blocking on the Templars um, when when uh, the English uh, had enough of them for whatever reason, and Friday the 13th was the day when a lot of them were killed, and it kind of went on from there as a negative uh, event. So, I mean, I think that's a big one, the ladders, the, the, the black cats, um, those sort of typical things, uh, crossing your fingers when you're lying. <laughs> I think that's going to somehow save you from any... Uh, penalty thereof, things well, like that. Well, our question of the day at cjob.com, which, by the way, is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Are you superstitious? Yes? Nope. Maybe a little stitious. And uh, Benjamin replying on Twitter saying, my grandmother was superstitious to the point where her day was ruined if a black cat simply walked in front of her. I thought this was a bit heavy-handed, even though cats make me angry, too. I'm definitely not superstitious, says Ben, but, Professor, why is why are some of us that superstitious? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it literally is that that connection. So, Every now and then, you know, there, there's this notion called classical conditioning. Those of you who remember hearing about Pavlov's dog, and if you ring a bell just before you give them food, they will start to associate the bell with food. When, you know, we go through our lives and occasionally um, we come into contact with one of these things that we've heard a story, a superstitious story, and so we wake up and it's Friday the 13th and suddenly we can't send any text messages. <laughs> so, you know, we, we start to connect. Oh, I knew this was going to be a bad day. It's the Friday the 13th. That's, that's messing with our technology today. And so often it is just a matter of perceiving or doing something 
and then there's some consequence shortly thereafter. And if it's a negative consequence, then we have the black cat kind of thing. If it's a positive consequence, like our team scoring when we step out of the room, then we start to think, hey, we have some way of helping our, our uh, team do well. You know, in all cases, I think it's a little bit of a dance we have between the fact that we do have certain control over outcomes. Our behaviors and our actions do lead to certain consequences. Uh, and so it's not, to some extent, we can control the future, but to a large extent we can't and and that part that we can't uh, I think we would love to edge in there somehow and that's where superstitions kind of come in they give us an illusion that we're able to control things that you know physically we, we really probably have no ability to control and that might feel more exacerbated this year Steve yeah. because you know like we've had so little control over so many things this yeah. year with COVID and so uh, people are looking to get some of that back so a yeah. superstition might be a way to do that but are there other ways to you know get the mind going and saying well I can control A, B or C? Yeah, I mean, when, for example, when COVID started, I, I was asked a few times by people, um, that people were coming up with remedies, home remedies of various sorts that they, they thought would give them some sort of protection. And the question was, is this, a, is this a bad thing? Is this a dangerous thing? And of course, the answer is it depends on the, the remedy. <laughs> if the remedy itself is something dangerous, then obviously it is. But if somebody wants to you know, create some sort of ginger tea with lemongrass because for whatever reason somebody told them this has some medicinal qualities. Even if it has no medicinal qualities at all, it does have psychological mojo in the sense that it, it gives this person a sense that they are doing something to protect themselves. Um, and, and that sense alone, um, that power uh, in, in a situation where you often feel powerless, uh, is very good for mental health. It keeps us feeling strong. So, you know, those sorts of sort of superstitious beliefs, and a lot of them are, are relatively harmless. Uh, and and to, in some cases, they make our life a little bit more fun, you know, hold, holding on to these things and pretending we can control things we can't. And so for the most part, I don't think there's something we have to worry about. Um, we can embrace them and have a little bit of fun with them. In, in the end, as long as we, we kind of know that, yeah, for, for a lot of the sillier ones, they are just silly. All right, Professor, we're at a dinner party. We've had a couple mm. of glasses of wine and and uh, you decide to tell me about the uh, strangest superstition you've ever studied or, or learned about. What would it be? Well, the strangest, I, I guess, um, from a, this is from a psychology geek perspective, is, is um, there's a guy named B.F. Skinner. He was a big operant conditioner, conditioning guy, and so he was the rat psychology, if you think of rat psychology kind of guy. And he wanted to talk to this issue of, of superstition. And so he actually created superstitious pigeons. He would wait for these pigeons to do a certain act. I think it was like spinning around twice to the left, or he would pick these different various acts. And when they did that act, he would occasionally reward them for doing that, just randomly reward them every so often when they did that act. Um, and, you know, what he with food. Uh, and what he found then is when you now had these pigeons get a little hungry, they started engaging in this in this behavior, uh, sort of like a rain dance, kind of think of it that way. Um, and so they, it was like they they had assumed their action caused the reward to happen, which which it kind of did when he originally built it in. But they persisted with this behavior long after he stopped rewarding it. So yeah, spinning pigeons would probably be the weirdest superstition I know of. Maybe dizzy pigeons. <laughs> 
Hey, and so, just, sorry, just before we let you go, uh, Professor, can you just clarify? I think you, you touched on it, but the origin of Friday the 13th, you said it had to do with, was it the Knights of Templar? It, it was to do with the Knights Templar, and, I, and you're getting me early in the morning, my morning, so I'm trying to flesh out all the details, but but I seem to recall that the Knights Templar had had the good favor of the, I believe it was the King of England, uh, it could be the King of France, but I think it was the King of England uh, for many years and, and had kind of worked in a coordinated way with them, but at some point the knights became too powerful, uh, and the king kind of said, "This, this, this place ain't big enough for the both of us." And in an early morning, Friday the 13th, basically did a massacre of of all the Templars, um, you know, a, a surprise kind of attack and killed a whole bunch of them. And that that was, I believe, the origin that happened on a Friday the 13th, and that was seen now as a as a, a scary day, a dangerous day, a bad luck day. All right. Well, Steve Jordan's professor of psychology at the University of Toronto, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for this. This has been great. No problem. Thank you, guys, and, and stay safe, everyone. And we do have a sports superstition text at 204-780-6868 from John in Elmwood, who says, Hey, guys, so when I was a kid, I always felt that when I would watch the Winnipeg Jets play a game on TV, they would lose. So I thought it was bad luck to watch, so I would listen to CJOB 30 years ago still to this day do not watch games on TV no way I think a lot of that might have had to do with the Jets were really bad at different times (laughs) in their history I don't think it was you my friend but uh, (laughs) hey if that works for you and the Jets are winning more than they're losing please keep doing what you're doing (laughs) Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Loren, what did Christine text us? She texted to say, when I was around seven years old, when I was around seven years old, an adult in my life told me that when you pass a cemetery, a spirit could enter your body when you inhale and possess you. So every time I walked or drove past a cemetery, I would hold my breath until I was blue in the face. I'm 30 years old now and still catch myself unconsciously holding my breath every time I pass one. I keep telling myself I know it's not true, but there's still that little tiny bit of doubt that wonders, what if? <laughs> I've heard that one before myself. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that, I was thinking as a kid that would be so terrifying, but it's like that that I still sometimes will hold my breath going underneath an overpass for the same reason because I don't, someone said if you if you don't it could fall on you or I can't remember what it was and so every once in a while I'll be going under like a rail line and and then think what are you doing like that's not going <laughs> to you get yourself you. right it's yeah. a habit 1111 uh, is uh for a lot of people a wish minute right you guys know this one or not yeah. or am I okay that's so a, that's an Arkell song uh, it is? Yeah, they. I, I can't remember. I think, I think the chorus goes something like, I made a wish at 11 11. Wow. I held your hips at 12 34. <laughs> okay, something well, like sounds like it worked out just fine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but if I'm in my vehicle at 11 11, I will literally rub the, the clock in my vehicle. Because uh, one of my boys was born at eleven eleven, and that, but I typically I think of my mom at eleven eleven is a wish minute. So when I catch it, when it catches my attention on the clock, I I, I will physically touch it on the clock just to re-emphasize the point that I'm I'm thinking about uh, those two people at that same time. I don't know if that's superstitious or goofy, but uh, I do that.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, looks like text messages are indeed going through again. We can reply to text messages. We've been receiving your text this morning, but we haven't been able to reply to them all morning. Uh, so it looks like they are starting to go through at 204-780-6868. And we have to award the Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card. We've been asking you this morning to tell us about your superstitions, if you have any, on this Friday the 13th. And Loren, I see uh, Lenore did not get off to a good start today. No, and she sent us photo evidence. Lenore wrote to say, this is how my Friday the 13th began, and then it included a picture of a broken cup and then a broken saucer. She says, first cup of coffee of the day, and I'm not sure if it's because of Friday the 13th or the mirror she broke a few days prior. So superstitious (laughs) about the broken mirror and about Friday the 13th. That's a double-stitious. Oh, boy. Yeah, no kidding. And Eve, you can stop texting us now. He's texted the word shut out at least twice. <laughs> I think he's trying to get under my skin because if you're a hockey fan and your team is up and your goalie hasn't let in a goal, you're not allowed to say shut out. You're not even allowed really to think the word shut out. So, Eve, keep your shut out to yourself. <laughs> shut up on the shut out. Correct. From GMAC. But here is our winning text. This made me howl when, Loren, you found it. My superstition is when I drive under a railroad track and there is a train passing overhead, I lick my right finger, my right index finger, I touch the roof of my car, and I honk the horn simultaneously with my left hand and make a wish. I believe if I don't do that, the pending wish will not come true and the opposite will happen. When I'm driving... It works great, but I actually have gotten into arguments with my husband who won't honk the horn when it happens, and then a conflict ensues as he thinks it's ridiculous. Oh, I love it. Can you imagine honk the horn? No. Honk the horn. No. Bad things are going to happen if you don't honk the horn. Yeah, and then you get in an argument, and then you can look back and go, see, bad things happen. You didn't honk the horn. So congratulations. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is the kind of honesty that we appreciate because you're just opening yourself up to potential ridicule. Um, but this, is, I think, is wonderful. Jeff Braun revealed earlier that he, what does he do? He uh, Eyebrow. Yeah, it nope. touches his eyebrow and then grazes the, the, the mirror. The sun visor. Yeah. 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 He doesn't even Why does he do that? Do- at, the, at a yellow light is when he does when, it. If he goes through a yellow light? Is yeah. that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe uh, that's a photo radar thing. <laughs> Hoping that you're not getting a photo radar ticket. <laughs> so we appreciate those texts. And coming up after Global News at 9.30, we are going to speak to the owner of a Winnipeg restaurant, an iconic Winnipeg restaurant. He actually had to sell his house to keep it alive and keep his staff employed. And by all accounts, it was a great move for the business. And there was a sort of a side shoot thanks to the realtor. So- Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, before we introduce our next guest, we have to read a follow-up text. Uh, Loren, I see that you have replied to it as well. So I'm just going to reread the, te- the original text for those who yep. may have missed it from Christine, and then you read the follow-up, okay? So Christine says... On the subject of superstitions. When I was around seven years old, an adult in my life told me that when you pass a cemetery, a spirit could enter your body when you inhale and possess you. So every time I walked or drove past a cemetery, I would hold my breath until I'm blue in the face. I'm 30 years old now and still catch myself unconsciously holding my breath every time I pass one. I keep telling myself, I know it's not true, but there's still that tiny bit of doubt that wonders what if... 
And that's what it's all about. We read that text uh, just under an hour ago, and she followed up with this text. Hey, my mom heard you reading my text on air and wanted me to add that she used to purposely stop the car at a cemetery (laughs) just to see how long I could hold my breath. I have no memory of this. I assume it's because I blacked out. (laughs) That is nefarious and hilarious. Well done, Mom. And thank you, Christine, for sharing. Wow. That's a Jack Handy. You know those Jack Handy deep thoughts? My favorite one was always the one when he talks about taking his... His uh, nephew to Disneyland, but he took him by a burnt-out warehouse and set instead, and goes, "Oh no, Disneyland must have burnt down!" <laughs> and the kid is crying and crying and crying. Why did Disneyland burn down? And Uncle Jack looks at him and says, "Probably something you did." That's great. That is awful <laughs> and amazing. <laughs> All right, over the years. We have created a stable of guests which make themselves available to bring an insider's perspective to the topics you are discussing, and our next guest certainly falls into that category. And at the start of this pandemic, Chris Graves, who is, of course, the owner of the King's Head Pub, he was extremely outspoken about the situation with that first round of shutdowns and, and the situation it created for businesses like his. And he has joined us several times to talk about some of the challenges of this pandemic. Uh, he, in fact, joined us on one of what would what have should have been the busiest night of the year, St. Patrick's Day, but ahead of a provincial mandate for restaurants to shut down, Chris actually made the decision to close the doors at the King's Head ahead of St. Patrick's Day, just to be cautious. And then, of course, he joined us uh, weeks later to talk about his pivot to operating an online grocery store in order to help to pay the bills and pay some of his staff. And then when he reopened, he also discussed how he was checking the IDs of all his patrons in order to ensure people who were in the province without quarantining themselves, didn't mingle with his guests, Greg. Yeah, he's been outspoken about the reopening strategies for businesses like his and the eventual restrictions, which have hit the industry he loves so much and so dramatically. Chris Graves has also taken what many would see as an extraordinary step in order to try and save his business and the jobs of those who work with and for him. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How is everybody today? Well, we're doing okay on this uh, Friday the 13th, trying to add some levity to everyone's day. But, of course, in the background is COVID-19. March 17th, that must seem like a lifetime ago for you, Chris. Yeah, that's a a long time ago. uh, You know, it's interesting to see where everything's gone. By the way, Loren, great synopsis. I'm going to hire you to write the autobiography of everything that's happened. For the King's Head. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. You know, it, it's been interesting because I've had literally about six, seven to eight months of perspective. And uh, one of the reasons why today is going to be a little bit of a different story. I want to talk about the feel good. I want to talk about the great things that people have done and how people have actually stepped up to support local businesses, which is what's going to save places like ourselves and other small businesses and just our industry as a whole, but just all small businesses in general. So I, you know, you guys can direct me the way you want, or you can just kind of let me give a few shout outs to some, you know, some acting kindness that we've seen. 
Well, it is World Kindness Day, so I have no we have no issue with you uh, giving some shout outs, Chris. But just before we get to that, maybe we can just give people a bit of a backstory about what you've most recently done to save your business, because that extends into another true act of kindness. So we, we brought you on today because you had to do something pretty incredible over the past couple of weeks to keep the king's head afloat. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 come out already in social media, and it's a bit of a you know, it's a bit of an embarrassing moment. But I'm I'm uh, you know certain things we have to do in our lives, and certain moments we have to make decisions. And uh, I was in the process of selling the house a couple months ago, and uh, during that process, uh, you know, we saw that there was a uh, second closure coming down, and. Uh, I wasn't able to buy a new home. We had to make sure that we kept the equity of our house uh, so we could inject it into the king's head so we can continue to survive. Um, and I don't want empathy. I, I don't need sympathy uh, because this is, what I, this is what I signed up for. This is the industry that I love. Um, so, yeah, we, I did that. And I did that because my staff is my family. And just as much as my, my family is my family, but we're one group and this is a career for many of them. And I want to make sure that they have a home to come to once this pandemic is, is over. So, yeah, it was a tough decision, but a decision that uh, had to be made. Well, how many people have told you you should have never done such a thing, that you shouldn't have done that? Uh, many people have said, uh, I think what's happened is more, it's more enlightening now to people and the fact that how our industry is run and how how financially stricken and hit we really truly are and uh, it's just a matter of time before we start to we start to see the cookie crumble and more places start to go to business and we don't want that to happen well chris and uh, you know the fact that you've done this we can have that conversation offline but all i'm going to say is this is such an inspiring story and it highlights for me what so many entrepreneurs do to either start a business or to stay in business. So, uh, you know, I, I can't hug you in person right now, but but you know how much I love you. And you've had quite the inspiring piece of support from your realtor. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, our realtor name is Nicole Hacko. She is just a phenomenal human being, a philanthropist at heart. Um, I have only actually known Nicole for just a few months when we went through the process of starting to sell her home. And uh, she didn't even know the story. I mean, she knew that I owned the King's Head and stuff, and, but that was really it. And, uh, you know, we went through this situation where she, was, she asked me if she could do uh, put together a promotion code uh, for our online delivery service that is actually allowing us to deliver food with our staff and keep our staff going and engaged in the business. Um, and so she was going to do that just for her circle of people. Um, I woke up one morning, uh, the morning that her promo code started, and I saw that she had opened it up to the entire city of Winnipeg. Um, and not only that, she was donating. Her goal was to donate her full commission check from our home back to the King's Head by taking $10 off everyone's meal that they would order through the King's Head. Wow. And so when you oh, yeah. when you heard that, what, what goes through your mind? Oh, man, I'm a pretty stoic individual sometimes. I know I come on here and I can be a bit passionate and I can be a little bit emotional, but, man, that, that really got me. Uh, I felt it pretty deeply, and uh, 
you know, I actually texted Nicole and I said, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but we may have, we may be attached at the hip for a little while. Are you sure you want to be attached at the hip with me right now? And she just, you know, we kind of had a moment where, you know, I, I mean, I thanked her from the bottom of my heart. I couldn't believe that she was doing it because what she is giving back is just going to multiply. And I've seen that already. And it's been absolutely incredible. And what she has done has just sort of stemmed so many other great acts of kindness that we have seen. And it's actually been truly remarkable. What kind of acts have you seen? Well, you know what? Just last night, I had somebody come in with a pickup order. and uh, Her name is Margaret. She gave me a card. Uh, we opened it up, and it was, you know, there was some money in there. And uh, saying how much that her and her husband are touched by her story and uh, our industry, they want to keep local businesses going. Uh, recently, we ordered boxes from Camel uh, Cartons and for our grocery business, and they donated all their boxes to us. There was Donna, Donna, who actually uh, donated her check that she received from uh, the provincial government, and she's a senior citizen. Um, Scott Swanson, a, a regular of ours, has been coming in here and, and offering his services and, and touching up the place and painting it for when we can reopen. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, but our, our industry is very resilient. You know, Greg, you've been a part of this. You know uh, this industry is a resilient industry, and, and we try to give back when we can give back as well. And I also just want a, a quick shout-out to Ravi, who owns the Four Crowns, and what he's done and opened up his hotel rooms for victims of domestic uh, violence and abuse. I mean, that is what our industry is and what our industry does. Well, you, you know, I'm a little choked up listening to all this, but Chris, you make a great point uh, about family and the idea that your restaurant family often is as close to you as your genuine family. And it's, of course, different type of closeness and, and your connection is different. But all you really ever needed to know about the restaurant business was to go out to a restaurant league softball game. Because there's a lot of competition uh, amongst the restaurants for your business, but we all really always cared about one another. Now, once we got inside the white lines on the softball field, you know, it was all gloves were off and uh, you wanted to beat uh, the team on the other side. But the whole industry is, is very tight with one another. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's interesting, too, through this whole situation, I always used to find there was this little bit of a divide between corporate and independently owned businesses well those lines are actually not there at all because you know people like uh, the king said and, and businesses like mine and businesses like earl's and businesses like cora's we are actually all working together right now to try to create one voice we we're not trying to fight we really aren't trying to fight because we need allies and that's what we need. Our business taxes and property taxes and, and all of our taxes are coming due at the end of this month. We're not looking at any more deferrals. So we need to be together as a whole. But what has been the most amazing piece of all of this is Manitobans really know how to support local. I see it. I feel it. Everybody around me feels it. And I implore people to continue to keep supporting those people that they care about and that they want to continue to see around because it's dire. We're in for another four weeks of closure. By the time the King said it's done, 
will have been shut down for 14 weeks at a minimum, and that is almost impossible to come back from. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head Pub. Their website is kingshead.ca. If you want to place an order uh, for takeout or delivery as well, access the grocery uh, online. Chris, thank you so much for the time. Uh, We appreciate it as always, sir. And I appreciate you guys too. Thank you for having me. It is 949 on 680 CJOB, Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Uh, the, I don't know, not, not everybody's been to the King's Head, but that place is home to so many really special memories. I've been to, you know, parties there. I've been to, to wakes at the King's Head. I went to school around the corner at Red River College. Uh, Loren, I, there was one of the very first sort of global slash CJOB parties. I, Forte, I remember this one. I ended up trying scotch late in the night and... <laughs> And then I I was physically unable to speak. Oh like boy. I couldn't I, I I just had to walk away. It was like I, yeah. I, I couldn't even I couldn't even say I gotta go because That's where we've done election night parties from too, because you had such a good night. I was there the night my of my mom's funeral I spent at the King's Head. And I've even been to a wedding at the King's Head. So how about that? Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.